Today the church celebrates the transfiguration of the Lord. When he takes his disciples up on the mountain, withdraws himself to pray, and there he is transfigured before him. He shines in glory. Now you have to imagine this. This is flesh and blood. Something that we see commonly every day when we look in the mirror. And yet here it is shining as almost unnatural. It's not from humanity. It is the shining of the glory of God. There was a reason the people were afraid to look at Moses' face. They saw something which was not natural. The glory of God reflected in his skin, made it shine so bright that it made them tremble with fear. They wanted Moses to get over telling them whatever God had commanded them so that he would veil his face again before them. Today we see this great unification of the Old Testament and the New Testament that everything that was spoken about as of old pointed always to the cross, to where Jesus would be the sacrifice, where Jesus would free us from the law. You have pictured there with Jesus in this vision, both Moses and Elijah. The lawgiver Moses and the prophet of the Old Testament who represents all the prophets in Elijah. It's very interesting that it is they who are talking with Jesus. What was it that they were called to do? In the Old Testament, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. By God's power and strength, he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea and led the people of Israel out. And as soon as they were free from the clutches of Egypt and Moses comes down from the mountain, he was furious because what he saw among the children of Israel was idol worship. They had built built a calf out of the gold earrings and jewelry that had been given them from the Egyptians. And they were worshiping this calf. They said, look, this is the God that led you up out of Israel. What quick turn had happened in their hearts that had turned them away from the one true living God that went before them as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They were quickly led astray. By their own heart's desire. But Moses came down from the mountain and he delivered over to them what God commanded. These commandments which were to govern their life and their life with God and their life with one another. But all of them, when they peered into the law of God, did not see their own glory. They had not lived up to it. They were transgressors. They didn't keep God first. They didn't love him above everything in their life. They certainly weren't using his name as God had commanded them to, to pray, to praise, and to give thanks, to call upon it in the day of trouble. They were quickly turning after others. As they go through the commandments, they did not see themselves as having much glory at all. Quite the opposite. They trembled in the presence of God's glory for they saw their imperfection even as they saw the perfection of God. So here now, pictured with Jesus, is this lawgiver. 
but he's not trembling before God. He's not looking at God's backside as he was permitted to do in the Old Testament. Moses is looking at Jesus' face in glory. How amazing is this? They see here before them, Peter, James, and John, a victory over the law that condemned sinful man. Moses had also transgressed that law. Do you remember? He wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. He didn't trust God and he did not do what he was commanded to and he struck the rock. And there the Lord was angry with him. And it said that he was taken up to the mountain and he was able to see all of the promised land. The Lord gave him to see it all, but he said, you're not going to enter it. And that day the Lord buried Moses and nobody knows where his bones are buried. But now you see, you see now in the transfiguration that even Moses, who had transgressed the law, though he had done so many wonderful things, those things weren't what delivered him. It was the mercy of God. He appears in glory here talking with the Lord. And what are they talking about? You have to read Luke's gospel to to find that out. It says they were speaking about his exodus, his departure. And where was he going? He had just told the disciples just eight days prior. He said that he was going to the cross. The way to the father was through the cross. The way to salvation was through the cross. His exodus is his departure to be with the Father by way of suffering. He was going to have to carry the cross, being betrayed, turned over to sinners, blasphemed, mocked and ridiculed, tortured. And then in the weakness of his body, made to bear the cross that had crushed him. But there, as he hangs on the cross, he says, it is finished. He overcomes our transgressions by dying for them. He puts them away from us by taking them himself and suffering in our place. He bears the cross and Moses sees the glory of God revealed here in the beautiful gospel. This is his deliverance. This is his salvation. This is what he had longed to see, the true promised land revealed in the glory of the Son. Here he sees his flesh and his blood glorified. He did not know that his face shone when he talked to God, but now he sees the flesh and blood, our flesh and blood, Jesus incarnate, shining with the glory of God. Now what about Elijah, though? What was Elijah's life like? What was his duty and responsibility? Well, he was a prophet, but much like the children of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the people around Elijah did not always receive him so favorably. In fact, he goes up against the 400 prophets of Baal before the whole entire congregation of Israel. And he tells them, If you're going to serve this God, if you're going to serve the true God, then you have to turn from this false worship, this worship of Baal. And so they prepare their sacrifices and they're going to test their God. And and Elijah's like, well, you're not going to really get away with testing my God. And so what happens? 
God comes down as fire and consumes the entire sacrifice that had been doused with bunches of water. And he consumes the sacrifice of the false gods. He destroys it all. And those 400 prophets of Baal are slewn down by the river. God gives victory. He restores the children of Israel. But quickly then, Elijah despairs. He has to go before the king and before Jezebel, and she wants his life. And he flees. He is so afraid. He flees into the mountains, and he goes to God. He says, God, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, you're not. There's still 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Get back there and do what you're supposed to do. You're a prophet. Prophesy. Lead the people out. They need the word of truth. Go and do it. And so he goes back. But there on that mountain, Elijah saw God in the the thunder and the wind, but he wasn't in those things in the destruction. He knew that God is behind it, but he didn't find God in there. He found God in that still, small whisper. God spoke to Elijah. And that speaking of God, that prophetic word that it was confirmed, is now shown here on the mountain of transfiguration. We have the confirmed prophetic word. You would do well to listen to it, to hear Jesus speak, and to let that word sink into your hearts and into your body and be what gives you your freedom, your movement in this life. Elijah had to bear a cross. Every Christian has to bear a cross. And the cross crushes you. Jesus spoke after that, uh, that eight days before. Jesus had told of his crucifixion, his bearing of the cross. But right after that, he told the disciples, you too are going to bear a cross. He said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. And there, Elijah one who bore a cross in this life so heavy that drove him to to almost despair of life itself, he was encouraged by the word of God. And he went back and did as the Lord commanded. He trusted in God. Look, you're you're gonna have to leave the mountain and go back down. You can't stay in the glory of God in every single day as though we wish we could. But that's not what you're given to do right now. God brings you up to this altar. He fills you with his body and blood, a strengthening of your faith, forgiveness of your sins, so that you can go back down the mountain, so that you can live in this life and know that God is with you and know that God is delivering you out of this world. But you're not going to be delivered without bearing the cross. It's going to leave you bloodied and bruised. You're going to feel weak. People are going to mock you and shame and ridicule you. But you have the prophetic word confirmed. You have what is going on here on Transfiguration Sunday. That Elijah is talking with Jesus about the sacrifice. That thing that which delivers us from our transgressions, which opens the promised land up to us. They're talking about the cross. And God has given that also to you. Peter, James, and John trembled at the voice of the Father that came down from the heavens 
that said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. They trembled because they knew who it was that was speaking. To be in the presence of God is is often terrifying in the scriptures. But look at what brought them comfort. Jesus bowed down and touched them and said, rise, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw Jesus only. That's what we need to see in this life. Nothing else matters. Nothing else was more important for Moses and Elijah to talk about than salvation, which comes through Christ, which comes through the way of the cross. That was the most important topic of conversation when the glory of God shone like the sun. So what what is the most important thing in your life? Has it been that? Has your salvation been the absolute most important subject of your life? I guarantee it's not always been. We struggle with that. When we leave the mountain, when we leave the altar, when we've been fed with the body and blood of Christ and we have to go live in a sinful world amongst sinful people, we ourselves have temptations that lead us to sin We feel the weight of the cross that God makes us to bear, whatever vocation we're in. We don't always do it wonderfully and perfectly to the glory of God's name. We get crushed. But that's why God tells us to look to Christ only. Because that's where we find our salvation. That's where we find the fulfillment of the law, the freedom from it. That's where we find the sacrifice of Christ which preaches to us this true salvation, that we have the prophetic word, that we have everlasting life, that we have the true forgiveness of our sins, that we have the entrance into the kingdom. Transfiguration is a foretaste of the resurrection. Whatever you think you are dealing with in this life that is too much or too hard or whatever sin that you are bearing and you say God can't possibly forgive that, do not let those things override the message of the gospel. Do not despise what Christ has said that your sins are forgiven. Do not forget that God has said I will be with you to the very end of the age. Do not forget that the one who endures shall receive the crown of everlasting life. This is what God instills in us. And by faith, we believe it and we cling to Christ because we know that it is by Christ's way of the cross that he has been resurrected from the dead and that we too shall follow where he has gone and we shall see him face to face And when the last day comes and when all the world of unbelievers is trembling and their hearts are giving out because they are having heart attacks because they are so worried about what is coming upon them, guess what? You dear Christians, it's not going to be you. You're going to be as Moses and Elijah. You're going to be talking with Christ about your salvation. You're going to be talking about what Jesus did, the Lamb of God. You're going to be singing the song of God, the Te Deum, to God be glory. 
You're going to be singing with the angels and the archangels and with all the company of heaven. That song of the angels, you will sing with them. You will not tremble or fear for the Lord is going to release you from all of it. Because your trust is in the one who was glorified in his death and in his resurrection. Who has saved you and has brought you everlasting life. And in his name we say, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.